All right. <laughs> Harry Talks. Welcome back. Lockdown edition for Sydney people. Volume two, really. We've been pretty lucky, but for our now Melbourne friends, it's been a it's been a long ride. And they're in round five. But I think the 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 silver lining in all this is that I pull my finger out and I start doing interviews again because I've got nothing else to do. And we take this bad boy in a state, no longer confined by Sydney's inner west. We're taking it global and we're going across to the second best city in Australia and Melbourne with someone I, and cheesy as it is to say, look up to a lot. Um, she's done so much space in now Melbourne, of course. You probably know her best for a DJing career in a cell of fugitives across the country. She also throws parties as neurotic erotic or whatever. I can't spin it, pronounce interesting words. Erotic. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, starting database and community hub WIP project. And of course, we'll be diving into each of those individually. So if you're not fully across them, you definitely will be after this chat. But the one, the only, DJ Sarah. How are you this morning? What an intro. I'm good. I'm better after that. That was really lovely. Thanks, Harry. It's the only part of the program I script, the intro. You want to get it right, you know. I've got to say, I'm also a big fan. So this is a real, a real moment. I love that we're in each other's merch as well. Reckon. <laughs> yeah, but I paid for mine. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, yeah, we, we each have our own little shindigs going. And I think, I think just let's just start on a side note as well. It's always sure. so interesting how people in, I don't know if you reflect on this as well, but people in dance scenes are so obsessed with just starting new things where it's like, oh, I've oh got an God. extra half an hour of time. Let's you know, start t-shirt brand. Totally. Totally. I think, I think it's, it can be a trap actually. Like, I think it's, it feels so good to start something new and like exciting that, you know, it's, it's kind of like changing your DJ name or like starting a different party or stuff like that. Like, I think that's something that I used to do a lot. Like, like come starting new things and I realized I was like fuck I don't any <laughs> sorry I'm swearing already <laughs> the start part is like trying not to swear I'm like oh. um I think yeah I started so many new things and then I realized that like you kind of just have to stick a few out because otherwise they're not going to go anywhere but people people really do love starting new things or filling in every second of time are you one of those people that has like those like you you think of a new project in bed one night and you make an Instagram account for it the next morning and like make the mood board for it and then wait for it to just like explode because <laughs> I'm one of those people. <laughs> I'm a little bit more considered these days because I feel like I've watched so many of those um, start and then and then fizzle out. And like, so these days, I, I think it's interesting when you're kind of growing up or when you first get into um, a creative industry, everyone's like, take every opportunity and say yes and blah, blah, blah. And for me, I got to a point maybe two years ago where I was like, I have to say no. I have to learn how to say no because I can't do everything. Um, and yeah, so <clears throat> I try not to, start new things unless unless they're they're really considered and unless I think that they're going to have 
some sort of longevity because yeah that ran me to the ground initially and it's no surprise that learning how to say no is such a common like conversation that people have in creative industries because you are taught so early just to be like take grab everything you know yeah you know I'd like the there was a point I'm way more confident in it now like I'm just like sorry I can't you know thanks for thinking of me uh and and leaving it's good to leave the door open because you never know um if you might want to take that opportunity later but yeah it um it, it was something that when I first had to start saying no I'd feel like guilty like I'd be like oh this is an opportunity and I should be taking it and I'm not therefore I'm ungrateful yeah and yeah it's a really it's a good conversation to have but yeah it's a common one with creatives I think, well, that makes us at, in the Parry Talks team and the Parry Talks community even more grateful that you said yes to this conversation today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So be grateful. No. <laughs> um, I think I think a good way to start it off is just to and like you know the C word. We don't want to talk about it too much, but it has to be considered, obviously, just given the times we're living in. Um, and it's probably the most interesting time ever to be involved in the dance community. So I just want to ask, like, how have your energy levels been in the past couple of months? Like, what do you do or what's the challenge been for yourself in just staying positive and, like, keeping optimistic? Um, it's funny because we're currently in day two of lockdown, our fifth lockdown um, in Nam, And for me, this is peak time. This is always when I peak. We get locked down. I'm like, yes, I'm going to relax. It's going to be good. I'm going to do all these productive things. And it always starts on a high where I'm kind of excited and then have this like dramatic crash on about day five, um, accompanied by some sort of existential crisis, um, anxiety and, and all of that. So yeah, you, right now I feel really good. Um, but it's been so hard. Like the, the really long lockdown we had last year is kind of like a blackout for me. Um, like I, it all just kind of merged into one. Um, I was still working from home and not really enjoying what I was doing because my whole job revolves around music and events. And I just felt consumed by all of it. Um, so yeah, I had a really, a really hard time, like classic, got into running, like just tried to get outside a lot, but yeah, it was, it was really hard. And one thing I find really challenging as well is that even if I'm feeling good, being around other people who are struggling kind of weighs on you as well. And, and, and it's like a, it's like a group struggle that you're involved in. So um, even if you're having a good, a good time, knowing that everyone else isn't it it can be hard so yeah it's been it's been really it's been really up and down I've really this year like things are a lot better because we've just had times out of lockdown and even been able to like go out a little bit or or do music or hang out with friends but in like last year was so bad yeah and a bit of a interesting question I think for me because I think I see this quite differently now is that obviously so much of dance music in terms of you know motivation community impact comes from that dance floor space so I feel like we've seen so much innovation 
in ways to like bring the community together despite not having that space. So like, what have you seen that's changed or what have you been like in keeping an eye on or what do you think that a silver lining could be for the dance community out of, you know, the chaos? I think like, I think to be honest, the silver lining will be our appreciation for everything we have. Um, I think it's going to be really cool to see the, the kind of roaring 20s when we get out of this, when people are back partying. Um, it, and you can already see it happening overseas. You can see it here in things like ticket sales and in the events that have happened that are selling out. Um, so I think the silver lining is actually a little, you know, I think it's on the horizon but still quite far away. But I do think it's going to be really, really exciting and we'll, we'll all appreciate things a little bit more. Um, but I, I think at the same time, like, you know, you can create your own silver linings like I have for sure, but it doesn't really, um, make up for kind of how hard this has been for so many people and, and decimated so many companies and venues and, and yeah. Yeah. Like it's been pretty bad, but not to say that, you know, there hasn't been been good things coming out of it, but that's like the main thing I think. Yeah, I think I think people became so I think there was a period definitely in like Warong Sydney where it was obvious people were getting complacent just with things, mm-hmm. like small things, or like we realized we like we got in and like I'm saying me specifically, like we got into this mind frame that we were the center of the world, like this niche underground community was the center of the world and we were the only thing that mattered and the only thing to consider. And and then like having a moment like this is like, we are the smallest little dot on Australia's piece of paper. Not you, you, but no one, yeah. (laughs) It's important just to reflect and be like, we are so small. So like what's really important about the things we do. Totally. In, in a life sense as well, like what's important, you know, is, yeah, I think we are in a, in a bubble and it's sort of cliche, um, but, yeah, I think realising, yeah, that we're not the centre of the universe. Um, yeah. And I think the, the and like in turn, from a dance perspective, the thing that made that so clear to me was seeing Perth Summer. <laughs> Oh my god! You know I was there. Yeah, and then I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, West has a scene, and yeah. I was like, "See, it's just like stuff like that. Like I'd never even consider that, and now seeing that so clearly, it's like, oh, I'm so ignorant to what actually happens across totally. the country." One, I mean, I don't know if this is a positive um, for everyone, but but I definitely feel more connected to the other states, um, and. I think that's a really lovely thing because we're all kind of just living in parallel universes, really. <laughs> like it's Sydney, Perth. Like, I don't haven't really been to Canberra much, but I know they have some cool stuff going on there. You know, even like over in New Zealand, like I think because we've all been like looking outward, you know, you start to see where all these like Alice Springs popping off. <laughs> Boy, that's you know? sweet. Like, yeah, it's just cool to yeah, I think looking outward has been has been um really good. I mean for me personally it kind of came 
at an interesting time. Like Georgia and I were about to go to Europe um, and play a few shows. And I wanted, we wanted to go for a few months, but I sort of wanted to stay at my job for longer and I didn't feel ready to leave. Um, and I was just going to go for a few weeks and I wasn't really sure. And then this all happened and it was like decisions got made for me. Like there's something kind of, there's something kind of um, nice about surrendering to your fate, you know, like yeah. this is it. So it's beyond my control. Yeah. Am I going to do with it? And it limits your choices and it limits what you can do. So I think the limitation in a way was actually, or has been like a really interesting experience. And to see, and when I, when I reflect at what came out of that time, like it was really, you know, really solidifying my, like my job and having, getting enough experience there. So that I, like, I always wanted to be there at my job for like two, two years. It's been two and a half years now and I'm about to leave to pursue music, my dreams. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I had that time where I was stuck here, so I had to work and that was actually really great. Um, and then like Whip basically was born in lockdown and I had time to work on that stuff. Um, and then, yeah, so it's interesting. Definitely. That they sort of, we're born out of the stillness in a way. I love um, I love the point you made about it felt like everyone like the like instead of it being individual scenes, it sort of became one for a period there. Yeah, like everyone totally. was just like, and it's like, wait, what? Like, and so I was like everyone all- was in Perth, and then some people in Sydney, and then like some people from Sydney were in Melbourne, and but like it would just all feel. I feel like it's more. It's gonna stay connected i hope hopefully um i always think about like who would be the because we are all living in parallel universes like who oh, would be yeah. the equivalent people <laughs> like, yeah who is the dj I sarah i have that with jess negus mintox <laughs> shout outs I, I, I was in perth with her in Bolu and i was like <laughs> oh my god i'm like we were just like we're where each other <laughs> Uh, yeah I see that um let's take it all the way back to a young Sarah baby Sarah (laughs) where where did that passion for electronic or dance music come from initially you know before being involved at any level I wasn't one of those kids that grew up on a diet of um you know this and that my parents my parents liked music like would watch Rage on a Saturday morning. My mum loves the Eurythmics and like my dad loves Sade and like jazz. And now his his favourite DJ is Late Night Tough Guy. He like only listens to disco edits. And I'll be like, dad, he's like, this is house. I'm like, yeah, it's house. But like, I'll try to show him something that's kind of similar. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's like Dr. Packer, Late Night Tough Guy. But like, so they're into music, but they're not... Um, it, it, I, I used to, when people would be like, how'd you get in, into DJing? I, I would be like, I don't know. I'd, I'd kind of be shy about the fact that I wasn't like raised in some like musical household by these arty parents and stuff. But now like it's, it's important to acknowledge that. Um, I started 
partying like when I was 16 and 17 and okay. going, huh? Okay, crazy. <laughs> Maybe 17, I went clubbing for the first time. And then when I left school, I was I was a sicko. Like I would go to Revolver every Thursday and every Sunday. And when I say sicko, I mean like I was home in bed by like two or three, like at mum and dad's. And like to to do that again, uh, that would be wholesome for me now. But yeah, I just like started going to clubs. I loved dancing um, and just hanging out with my friends. And yeah, it just, I don't know, like I was always interested in it. I was always really interested in samples um, and like covers and like hearing tracks that were like had samples that I knew and um even things like hearing covers on the radio and being like what was the original of that oh wow this producer also did this and I kind of became quite obsessed with all these connections and really fascinated by it by it um and then I was leaving school in school I used to say I wanted to work in the music industry and, and people would be like what do you want to do and I was like I don't know I just want to be like in it <laughs> you manifested that I just, yeah I know I'm really reflected on this recently but yeah I was just always really interested in in the whole world that that it um brought and when I say that it wasn't like this was you know I also wanted to like be an archaeologist or like a dancer or like all this other stuff but I did used to want to um work in music I also wanted I wanted to work in musical radio I wanted to be a radio host <laughs> all the all the I, I just like if someone says like when I grow up I want to be a radio host <laughs> keep that person close because they're probably absolutely hilarious <laughs> yeah I just like I was just fascinated by that um and then I was enrolled in a business I enrolled in business I was like I'll just go to uni and do business I want to work in the creative industries I don't know what it is. I, at one point I wanted to work in fashion, which like, honestly, if you saw my wardrobe, like that's just embarrassing. <laughs> um, and then I was like, I'll just go do a business degree because then at least wherever I go, like I'll know how to try and make money. <laughs> you facts. Know? Cold hard facts. I think, um, I think a super interesting thing from that point is that m- Nam or Melbourne's dance scene is so accessible mm. compared to I think what happens here, where it's like you're not going to get introduced to extremely incredible dance music unless you're like if you're born in sort of my two year age group, mm. unless you're like you've been partying for like six months and you met this one guy who knows this one promoter mm. who's like yeah we're booking this crazy artist. So I think I think and like. Maybe I'm making too big a point of it, but I think that's such a special thing that you can go to a club and you can see the best DJs in the world by chance without having to, like, the if you know, you know thing. Totally. I mean, we, like, Novel used to throw these parties here where they would just have, like, every, like, international DJ that would that would come over, they would be doing a party with. And we would just go to everything. It'd be like, oh, if Novel's running it, we'll go. Yeah. And, and that introduced me to, I mean, at this point, like I was listening to like, um, you know, like music that I probably wouldn't play now, like really tech, tech housey vibe. But at that time, like that's what was really cool and in. 
we know Tech House gets a bad rap, but like, <laughs> um, and then yeah, I went to and then I went to Europe. This is so cliche, but I literally went on a gap year with my best school friends, and went to like um, these these clubs and parties that you know, like literally in going to Berlin and like going to partying in Prague and Amsterdam. It was just wild. Like I was like, oh, whoa, okay, like I get it, you know. And then I think, and then I think that then I got home from Europe and I was like, wow, that was cool. And then I went to Strawberry Fields (laughs) with one friend. We didn't know anyone there except our friend's older sister. And we just went, like, I was so naive. Like, I just did it. We, we took, like, a slab of Elevates, which are, like, for anyone who doesn't know, energy drinks with alcohol in them. Like, they should, I think they actually are illegal now. Like, it was just so, they are so messed up, especially for, like, little tiny bodies. We, like, took a slab of Elevates. And then everyone's like, oh, and I was like, who is playing at this? I don't know any of these artists. And everyone's like, Moody Man, Moody Man, we've got to see Moody Man. I'm like, who's Moody Man? And then like, he was playing at like five o'clock at like the main stage. And so we like walked over, I was wearing like a little bandeau top and like had my hair plaits and like a little skirt I got from like some vintage store. Barefoot. And- um, <laughs> Barefoot as well. I know, like, not, not much has changed really and then um he and then we went and saw Moody Man and this was like a moment for me like it it still is so sticks out so clearly in my mind where um he played heavens in the backseat of my Cadillac let me take you there and I was like looking around and like the dust this sounds so like it's actually cliche but this is what happened the dust was like kicked off and the sun was setting and I was looking around at all these people just having the best time and I was like oh cool all right like this is sick I get it like and I and I went home from that festival and I was like I want to work in music and I tried to tried to change my course to music industry at RMIT RMIT I tried to get out of business and into music I missed the deadline by like six hours which is just so mean like I'm shocking with admin and they're like sorry too late to change and I was like all right I'm going to do a business degree and so then I went to uni and did did business which I still haven't finished my degree so I ended up hanging out like two years into it I started hanging out with all the music industry kids and like going to some of their lectures and like became really good friends with all of them started like did DJ class as an elective and that's how I learned to DJ like at our oh my god that's sick in this DJ class it was my only ever HD <laughs> Sounds really talented. What were you mixing in the DJ class? Oh my god, it just was. <laughs> so my brother, my younger brother Hugh, um, was really shout out to shout outs to Hugh was really into techno, and like at this point, you know, it's taken me a long time to start making up my own mind and being like, this is cool, like this is what I like. Um, and I think that's actually a really hard place to get to um, with so much noise, you know, around what's cool and what's not. So at this point, I was taking a lot of inspiration from my brother who's really into techno, like really heavy techno. Like, 
And so in this class, like, I don't know, we were just playing like, I can't even remember the artists, but like real like where like industrial warehouse. Yeah, I know exactly like, the Bjarki and like Anna and like <laughs> this kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> in this like little DJ class in RMIT. But I met Georgia Farry there um, in this class, but who's baby G. And she's a producer, DJ. Now she she was booking at the Gasso and she's like incredible. And we were just, we were partners. We were DJ partners in this class. Back to back. Back to back. Did our first ever gig 20 minute set at workshop bar as our final assessment. And then we started running parties together, her and I, and then we had a DJ duo together. Amazing. Um, and that's like where it all started. So it's, it's weird how everything sort of falls into place, but yeah. Um. <laughs> A lot of so much to unpack there. So many moments. <laughs> what was your tutor like? Like the tutor would have been like oh, an absolute angel, right? Beautiful man, Ed Montano, who passed away a few years oh. ago, which is just so devastating because like he he was this really cool British guy who was always wearing like band t-shirts and like um had this really amazing attitude. Um, he got cancer and was so sick, but like he, he was still like teaching until he died. And it, it was really, really tragic, like left behind two little boys and, and this, but this incredible legacy. Yeah. All these, you know, he, all these DJs, like, like Georgia Bird did the class as well. <laughs> Our friend Asher, who's also a DJ now. And then like this class, I think Mike Callender teaches it now. Um, who's like a real OG DJ. I actually went back and did like a um, guest lecture or something. Which Sick. Is, yeah, yeah. And apparently they use Interstellar as like a, um, they're like, oh, you know, the DJ class on MIT, Interstellar did it. Like, <laughs> I was like being alumni. That's such a boss. But... Yeah, but he, yeah, he was an amazing guy. And um, I wish he got to see like more of, of kind of what, what he actually kickstarted, how many careers he kickstarted. Yeah. I remember him just being like, you know, some of you might end up playing a bar, <laughs> maybe, you know, like the first day. And then all these kids went off to like become DJs. Really cool. Yes. No, I'm not keeping, I'm not, because we could talk about this guy for years, I think, or this class for years. <laughs> um, speaking of formative moments, because this is where we're at, we're at those formative moment periods. Yeah. Um, who are those? initial community leaders for you who either like gave you a step up or you just saw what they were doing you know in the scene and thought shit they're doing cool things they make me want to be more involved or you just respected them a lot in those early stages that was a bit eye-opening cc disco was the most pivotal person um i i I was already djing and uh, but I was struggling a little bit with that confidence and and this idea of being a woman, which partly through experience, partly through like people making it a thing too at that time. This is like 20, must have been like 2015. Um, and yeah, one of my friends one night was like, oh, you should just hit her up. And I was like, no, I don't know. And they're like, yeah, just hit her up. And like, they hit her up and they're like, oh, my friend Sarah, like, 
wants to chat about being a DJ, blah, blah, blah. Like, would you be down? And she was like, yeah, sure, get her to email me. And I sent her this massive email with like all these questions and all this stuff. And she wrote back like the most amazing responses, just uh, like just so helpful. And the fact that she even wrote back to me, I meant so much. And the last thing piece of advice she had was just like, just record mixes just like record something, put on SoundCloud. And then I was like, okay. And I like recorded a mix and like sent it to her. And she was so um, positive about it. And it was a really, it was just so helpful having someone be like, do this, like just put it out there. So she was someone. And then I looked up to everybody, like all the locals that a lot of people who are now my friends, like Penny and Millie and like Andy Garvey, was another big one like I just thought she was so cool like I hit her up one day on Facebook being like hi Andy my name's Sarah um and like I DJ and I saw you're coming down to Melbourne like would you want to grab a beer or something she was like oh hey Sarah like I know who you are yeah sure and then we ended up like partying in Ivanica and like now we're like really really good friends which is funny but yeah so probably Cece Andy Garvey's the greatest. I know. Me, I think, I don't know if you listen to the, I don't know if you listen to the podcast with me <laughs> and Jess, I mean, talks, but we're talking about if there was like a parliament, like a DJ's parliament <laughs> of like, who'd be like the prime minister, the health minister. And like the unanimous decision was Garvey has to be PM. Oh my God. What a dream world. <laughs> <laughs> Garvey for PM. <laughs> She, yeah. she's incredible. And it's no surprise that name comes up in pretty much every conversation that I have, or like every time I ask that question of that tilt, it's like consistent. Wow. And I was like almost waiting for you to say it. <laughs> like, oh, who else will she throw in? Yeah. Um, and so of- other people, like my best friend, Scotty, who plays as Roy Mills was like, and he's in London now, um, killing it. But he was just so helpful for me. Like he taught me how to mix vinyl and like, just was so supportive and helped me with like setting up DJ decks or like just all these little things. He was really, really um, had a lot of impact on me as well too. Definitely. Um, Sort of just fast forwarding a bit on your DJ career. um, What sort of like moments, whether watching a DJ or practices, do you credit to your success as a DJ so far? Like, is it partying? And, and going out and being consistent? Is it digging? Is it just having your hands on being involved? Like, what do you credit the most to just where you've come in your taste, selections, whatever, skills, anything like that? Wow, that's such a big question. Because I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, I, oh, wow. I've never really thought about that. Um, just gas yourself up. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I need to gas yourself up. Honestly, like it's the hustle. It's like saying at the start, and I know we just talked about saying no, but at the start, I would just say yes to everything. I'd be like, you never know who's going to be at a gig and see you play. You never know like what's going to come out of meeting this person from here and stuff. And I really did like do do everything and, and, and do things without, like I think the biggest thing is trying to remove ego. So trying to step past like oh this isn't cool or whatever and you know you do at one point in your career have to start saying no but before that like 
you just have to suck it up and like do do everything and I enjoyed it like I was but there were points where I was just like ubering around Chapel Street playing all these like dodgy bars like every weekend every week just to like just to practice and just to um you know meet new people and so I think yeah just just sort of not judging yourself for doing all different stuff um it is really important and doing things, not expecting anything in return because it's still going to come back. Like I, I intro a lot of people to people or like, um, you know, try and help other people out now. But at the start, yeah, I was just so keen. Yeah. Like I just was keen to do everything and like every time someone would message me, I would like, a promoter I'd like look them up I'd look up all the other DJs playing on the lineup I'd like listen to their music I'd like go early to watch them and like stay late to watch the others and I'd introduce myself and like just making the most of every single opportunity um, was like yeah just doing everything with kind of enthusiasm and, and energy um which kind of comes naturally to me so it's lucky <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think that I think yeah, just just making the most of every opportunity is probably probably the key, and and finding the opportunities myself. Yeah, like just hitting people up, being like, I want to play a party. Here's my mix. Like when we played, we like headlined Daydreams last Jan, and um, I went back. To, I went to I went to message like go on the Facebook page or something, and like the message box popped up, and it was like you know when you like message a yeah. Like, or something and there was a message in there that I had sent with with like and I was like what is this and it was me in like 2017 being like hi day, daydreams my name's Sarah like I want to really want to play like here's a mix or something and they were just like thanks DJ Sarah we'll check it out just never heard back and then like three years later we were playing and I was like that's so cute you know like I would, yeah. I, and that's the kind of stuff I would do all the time amazing And this is like, this might sound as like a funny question, but I mean it in a serious way. Oh, not really a funny question, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, and like doing like this thing, like whether DJing or just like giving so much back, as selfish as it sounds, when you give so much back, it can be so isolating and lonely. Like I feel like sometimes, even though you do have an incredible amount of people around you and stuff, but if you're working on something by yourself for so long, it can get really hard. But you do obviously DJ as interstellar fugitives a lot. So, like, what is, what just makes DJing with a close friend um, so special? And like, what made Georgia special from the start that it was like this can be a big focus for me or for us? Yeah, it's it's a good point. Like, it can be it can be lonely, and I used to feel like isolated, and I used to feel um, alone. I rarely feel like that now because things are in a place where every time I kind of give something back, it, it, it just feels so good to me that I don't even have to like talk about it or tell anyone because I've got so much, so many people supporting me and, and so many good things going on. It's a really privileged place to be in where I am now compared to a few years ago, but um, Georgia a lot of stuff that's happened in my career and life like has been quite serendipitous and like 
um, I've sort of, I'm very like, although I go out and like create my own opportunities, I'm also a little bit like go with the flow and just try and like, um, yeah, allow myself to just roll with whatever is coming my way because generally that's that works out the best. But um, but Georgia and I, the best the best thing about having Georgia is that we share every experience. So like all of the highs, uh, you have someone to enjoy that with. And then the lows aren't that low because you just have someone there to sort of talk yourself out of it. You know, like if, if something, if we have like play a bad set or like something happens before it can like even penetrate your your deep soul, you have someone there to be like, oh yeah, like that was messed up, like blah, blah, blah. You know, and you kind of unpack it. And, and usually in private, private, like before we even go and like talk to our friends about it or something, we've unpacked it and we've mm. kind of moved past it, tackled it, tackled it together and then moved on. And so yeah. with all the negative stuff, just having that person there is, it, it makes so much of a difference. You don't harbor things in the same way. And then also like having someone to celebrate with and, you know, enjoy all those amazing moments with you and understand what that what exactly what you just went through if, if you have something really amazing happen is just so so worth it um and obviously it comes with challenges working with someone especially on something like music so but yeah for us it's it's great beautiful see <laughs> lovely um now let's get on to um probably the least structured part of this conversation when we talk about the WIP project, because I feel like I'm just going to be shooting from the hip. All right. (laughs) Um, It obviously started as a spreadsheet. You've told the story a thousand times. If you, if you haven't, like, if you're not fully across what, like the intro to the WIP project, what it is, what it does, search on Google purple sneakers, WIP project, Evie wrote an um, awesome piece just, you know, with the intro of it and just the foundations of it. So that now we don't have to waste time on that. We can just tackle, jump straight in. But initially for that um, spreadsheet, I feel like one of the main problems with um, it's when people don't book normal artists, I think so much of the time it's an attitude thing. It's a laziness. It's, it's the excuse of like, oh, I just didn't know any normal acts. So we're starting that spreadsheet just like a finger up being like, literally look at this thing was it just out of that pure frustration in response to that sort of attitude literally like you hit the nail on the head it was just born it started like even before the spreadsheet it started of me being in facebook comments where people would be like oh we didn't really know any blah blah or like people would be like do you know any female djs i would write these like just like lists like i'd be like hey sick and like and I, I found myself doing that so often that I had like notes in my phone. And then it just kept happening, kept happening. I had the same conversations with the same people. And it got to the point where I was like, I, I'm using so much of my energy to have pointless conversations um, that aren't going anywhere. No one's listening to me, especially at the point I was in my career. Like no one cared what I thought. Yeah. And I was like, okay, for the people that do want to, or are saying that they want to make a change, I'm just going to give them, I'm just going to put this all in one spot so that they can access this if they, you know, if they're like, it's kind of, it was kind of a two-pronged thing. It was like, 
one, it completely debunks the theory that there's there's no females or non-binary to non-conforming people to book because they're all there presented. Yeah. To so firstly, that just like, like expels that myth completely. Yeah. And also for the people who I would hope are the majority, and I do think the majority of people are open-minded and want to make change. For those that do want that and for some reason don't know how to find their own artists on SoundCloud or like the internet, whatever, for those that it's a little bit too hard for them, there, there's the resource for you. Yeah. So make the change, like make the change. So like, and on behalf of like all of those who are on the spreadsheet, just providing them with, um, you know, a bit more um, of a platform or another place just to get discovered. So it just felt like, I think a lot of issues that we have in the music industry and in our kind of left-leaning, woke society, this bubble that we're in, a lot of these issues, there's so much chatter, like it's just talk. Yeah. Walking into an echo chamber, cancelling people for this and that, like just this whole like, and 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 sometimes you've got to look at, and I, I'm not that I'm not about that, but there's also got to be practical resources available to create change. Definitely. And people need to focus on the objective. Definitely. Of like what we're trying to do here, and how can we how can we do that practically? I think one of the super interesting things that I think me and some friends have been really thinking about now with, um, cause I feel like people thought of diversity on lineups being like, if we get half the lineup or the whole undercard to be non-male DJs, then we've ticked our diversity box. And then now people are obviously thinking a lot more about booking people of color on lineups as well. Mm. And it's so hard to measure like effectiveness of a tool like that or just changing attitudes because it's almost impossible to know if a promoter is genuinely thinking about how can I create this event so it's accessible and inviting to everyone versus how can I book this event so I don't get cancelled or I don't get, you know, looked down upon. So it's like it's hard to ever truly know where someone sits because of those two things. Like It's, really, it's a really good point. There's always so much to unpack in that itself because... Firstly, I think it will always, the truth will always come to light. Like over time, these you have to trust that the people who are not being authentic will be uncovered. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll all come to the surface. When they do get in trouble for something, the way they react to it. If 100%. they're like, oh, no. Nah. If they get defensive, they're like, oh, my God, whoops, we were trying, we'll make, we'll make a change. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's that. Um, and then the other thing though, is this question that I don't have the answer to, is it still, is it still a good thing regardless of their intention? Yeah, exactly. That's potentially like there are promoters out there who are just booking women to not get canceled, but that is still a step in the right direction. Exactly. And so we need to kind of, and knowing knowing that that's a step in the right direction and then knowing that eventually if they're not coming from the right place that they'll get found out or slip up somewhere else. So it's almost like not worth trying to work out where people are coming from because it's like, well, 
it's usually pretty obvious. Yeah, I you think usually sell. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting things about that is the impact it has on the DJs themselves. Like my, I have friends that have been involved so explicitly as um, what's the word like inclusion in equality bookings. Like it's so obvious that the only reason they're on that, even though they're incredible D and I won't knock and uh, name names. Yeah. If, oh, that's yeah. Even though they're incredible DJs and they deserve to be on that lineup, they know that the only reason they're on that lineup is because they're of use for the promoter's diversity quota. So I think that's one of the big negatives of like not knowing the intention of a promoter because you're, you're like, so right. Yeah. I guess that that's a really good point. It's really hard. It's, yeah. it's really tricky because like when I say that, oh, you know, it's still a positive, like, well, am I thinking about the impact on the individuals who are the kind of pawns in this game? Yeah. Like maybe no. So maybe that's actually not the right attitude to have because there's people, individuals who are getting affected by this. But at the same time, if, oh, sorry, did I cut you off? No, I no, no. no. <laughs> um, I think the interesting thing about that is, as well, though, it's what you're talking about earlier. It's like if someone, even though they do feel like a token booking, if they go play the show and there's a really good promoter in the crowd being like, oh, I love these DJs. And then yeah. like, so, but like, obviously That's it's not ideal. I think, like, I think if you as an and I've had this, like, I got booked once, like, explicitly told. We, we got told by the venue we needed to book a woman. So we <sighs> And I was like, thanks, guys. Like, what? I was like, what? Like, like, okay. And but I still said yes. Yeah. And like, but I that was like on me. And I was like, well, whatever. I'm gonna rock up and show you that I'm like just as good as you guys. So, and and I had the energy and capacity at that present moment to do that. I think it's like it's got to be case by case yeah. for the individuals who who may feel like yeah they're being booked tokenistically and. And I think as you, as you like progress in your career and in the music industry, you kind of, I don't know, it, it's hard. And, and it really sucks that it's this way, but it's almost like you have to make sacrifices early on to get to where you want to be so that you can have more voice and more impact. And and I hate, I hate that it's like that. But like when I first started, DJing I would just say I would literally say yes to everything even if I was the only woman on the lineup and it didn't sit right with me I'd just be like do you know what I'm just gonna do this because all these all the artists playing are way bigger than me I'm gonna get to play like play on this slot before this big headliner like da, 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 da. this is like three years three or four years ago and now when the same bookers try to book me I'll be like nah sorry like sort it out and then we'll do it and yeah and I have so much more power an impact and that's a tr- that's a personal choice that I made and I think a lot of people may not it, it might not sit right with them and maybe I was naive and, and young enough to just do that yeah it's like the timing was, I didn't know enough and I was like oh whatever you know and I think now I'd really struggle to do that but it was almost like a conscious choice definitely quiet until I was in a place where I knew I could be really really loud and be heard definitely um and this is like a controversial question, I think. Okay. But see it as see it as me criticizing myself or someone like me. Yeah. Okay. But do you see the irony in a non-male DJ having to make a non-male DJ list for male promoters? Like, like how it is, it... It is messed up. It's yeah, like okay. <laughs> 
still get, I get messages twice, I'm going to say twice a week when there's events on, from people who ask me if I know any women that they should book for their, when I say women, I mean non-males, I mean everybody, like like non-males, that they should book for their party because they tried looking on whip and they couldn't really find i'm like are you serious like i've done like me floss and gabby collectively have done so much work it's it is incredibly ironic and like and i don't even talk about it or mull on it but like like come on people like i've literally done this for you it could not be easier like and you're messaging me asking for a hand, you know? Yeah. I don't get paid. I don't get paid for whip. We don't make, we've, it's cost me money, time, so much time. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like I wouldn't, I've never even like, I've never spoken about this really out loud. So I've never actually like done the math, but like people are so like, they, they don't even consider that. Like the and and because I love it and yeah. it doesn't feel like work, it's it's so fine. Yeah. But like, if you actually broke it down, I've done all this work for these people to DM you. Like it's not enough. It's like what? Oh, you poor. So it's not it's not controversial. It's actually it is so funny and it is just so ridiculous. Yeah. Like there is, but you know. I'm white, cis, middle-class, able-bodied person. I'm a woman, but, like, I've got a lot of privilege. And I, at this point in my life, have, and when WIP started, had capacity, had enough resources to, to create this, had Floss, who was feeling the same. And it was, like... I was more than happy to to do that and, yeah. and do it myself. I wanted to do it myself. Like I knew that if I didn't, my feeling was from when the spreadsheet started and like like being really honest, I was like, if I don't do this, someone else is going to do it. And I want to do it first because I want to have control over it. Yeah. And I want to do this how I think it should be done. Yeah. And um, when I said controversial, I didn't, I meant it in a way I don't want it to, I don't want it to come across as you shouldn't have done it or no, or, no, no, yeah, no, no, like no discrediting no. the work. No, 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 yeah. no. It doesn't at all. It's it's almost like thank you for recognizing that. But but also like if I like who else is gonna do it? Then at the same time, like if a guy did it, like it might feel a little bit weird. Yeah, I feel that. If a guy did that, I'd be like, what the fuck, man? Like <laughs> so mm. you know. Definitely. And I think to look at it on a more wholesome note, I think one of my favorite things about WIP is that it went from a spreadsheet to like a really distinct, it's not even like, I hate calling it a database because it's like, if you look at the socials, if you look at the website, merch, like it's, it's a proper like home for artists. So how important was like, was it a conscious thing to be like, I want to make this its own entity. And like, I don't want to say brand, but you know what I mean by brand, like its own communal Mm -hmm. hub. Yes. Um, well, or did that just happen naturally because of, you know? That was like a byproduct of of what we created. And a lot of that has to do with Floss and Gabby. 
Like they are very massive shout outs. Massive, the biggest shout outs. There, I was very like one track minded in the project. Like I was like, I want to. My goal is like I want to make a practical resource that like I want the website to work really well. I want heaps of people on the database. Like I was really like focused on creating this kind of product, mm. and. It's, it's almost, it's interesting. I didn't even think that it could become a community. Like I didn't even really think about that, but as it started to grow, like then we we're like, Oh, we'll make, we'll definitely need a Facebook group. So I've made the Facebook group. And like, as, as I observed all that growing, Gabby and Floss really nurtured, nurtured that and encouraged me to nurture that. And, and yeah, now the community is almost, it's, it's weird because the community is almost the main part of it yeah database is kind of you know just like attached to the community and that has been so inspiring like watching people meet through it i just sit in the facebook group and watch everyone interact with each other the fact that i don't have to facilitate it yeah and that's it's natural it it is and and it's become this kind of like ecosystem so is so powerful and so incredible so it definitely wasn't conscious i mean Floss and I did work quite a bit on the brand and like I did want it to be like I wanted it to be like discoverable and I wanted like the like we worked on like even like the colors and like the the website being like pretty and we wanted to really like we we did want to create a a sort of brand and make it really um accessible accessible yeah and inviting Mm. um and, and we have actually, like, now that we I talk about it, like, we've put, we, we've consciously created a certain tone around it and um, sort of cultivated the community in a certain way. But it, it was not, it was definitely not um, an original roadmap. Yeah. <laughs> um, beautiful, beautiful DJ, Sarah. <laughs> um, I just realised, actually, no, we'll talk about it after. It'll be sweet. Um balance i think is critical in everything and i think this is when this is when the conversation turns a bit lighthearted i think um actually no not with this question actually um balance yeah is so important i think especially in these chin stroker like hardcore i only listen to songs with under a thousand streams sort of dance community which i've literally quoted and said to you that i do but I think that balance, like where we can both adore pop music and then enjoy club music, whereas I think so many people are so close-minded just to criticise the scene for once. Yeah. Um, so how important, like, I don't know if you see it as a super positive thing or it just happens naturally, but how important is it for you to be, like, balanced in your music listening um, just generally? Because I think I'd get overcrowded by it. I listen to so much music like when I say so much music I don't mean like digging through Bandcamp all day like I listen to digging through Bandcamp all day well you know if like I listen to so much music I know all the cool tracks that came out on this record label I'm so like like out of touch in some ways but like I'm really into like the indie pop scene like I love knowing like what locals are making music. Uh, like I'm, I, I listen to like, yeah, a lot of like, yeah, pop. 
um, and sort of older, like, folky stuff and, and rock and, like, kind of everything and, like, music that people wouldn't think is, like, cool. But I don't think many people know that or, like, actually know what I listen to, like, when I'm just working or, like, running or every day. Yeah. So no one's really asked me this question, but, like, getting your head out of this tiny little scene is so important. Like, there is a whole big, wide, (laughs) big, wide music. The music industry is not just you know, our little tiny club scene and, and, and our, like, it, although that is just so incredible and so amazing and, like, you know, all my whole, my half of my whole you're, world. Sarah, you're allowed to say that because we've literally bigged up the scene for an hour now. So you're allowed to say, but I think that's fair. But get your head out of it. Like, have a look around. Like, don't disrespect the artists that have made it really big overseas. Don't disrespect pop artists. It's They've broken through into these scenes and they're doing incredible stuff, making incredible music. Maybe it's not your vibe or maybe you don't think it's cool because it's so popular, but, like, it's it's actually amazing. And then, like, if you, if you look at, like, the labels or, like, the booking agencies or the management companies we have in Australia, um, you know, like, the, pe- the touring companies, the kind of shows that are going on, like, it is incredible like and I've really um started to get more involved in 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 sort of the broader music industry and found it just like so inspiring and the people there are so amazing I think that is one thing that like it's really important to just like not not discredit people because they're in the mainstream like that is it's just so mind-blowing to me I think that the re like the even the idea that a point of difference for you is that you're funny. Like <laughs> says so much about like the culture. It's like, oh Sarah's like her normal self on her stories, and it's like, whoa. How crazy, man. That's oh my crazy. god. She's like posting stuff about her day on her Instagram. Right? Oh right. my god, totally. I think it's really I just think it's healthy to yeah. like to just look at the bigger picture and respect the people that are like, you know, in the, in the, I call it like the real music industry, but like that's so bad. (laughs) It's so so true. All right. Um, Well, that, that conducts our formal conversation, but we've got some questions from some fans. Oh my God. On Instagram. So shout out to everyone that asked a question. I'm, I can't get through all of them, but I'm going to pick out the best ones. Um, oh, my God, oh my God. Dazza, who DJs us deeper in Honey Point. She says, Pink or Avril Lavigne? Oh, Avril. Straight up. Interesting. Why? <laughs> I loved Avril Lavigne when I was young. It was one of my first, that Let Go album was one of my first albums. I bought on that album cover, shout outs to Deeper. There's a, she's wearing this like fugly outfit and then she's wearing this belt and it's a black belt. It's got like, and it's one of those belts where it's got like two prongs all yeah. the way around. I made my mum buy me that from Big W when I was like nine. And I, it was my favourite piece of clothing because Avril Lavigne wore it on her album cover. So yeah, I'm <laughs> Avril. 
the <laughs> good um, big fan of the show, Paul Coppola asks <laughs> what she loves about attending as many events as possible. Oh, <laughs> seeing my friends. <laughs> yeah. Seeing new music, making new friends. And um, making new <laughs> And shazamming other people's songs. <laughs> I think, I think is the point there not for the same reason that everyone loves going to shows? Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Now we have my friend, do you know Olga Dog, Oscar, runs Nomad Radio? I'm not sure, but big fan of Nomad. <laughs> <laughs> he asked what vape, what vape flavor you packing? Um, controversial. I don't vape <laughs> or, or smoke. And a lot of people think that I do. I think I give off like a ciggy energy. I don't smoke or vape, no. <laughs> um, Matthew Zhu asks, dream venue to play at? Um, it would probably be overseas and would probably be, oh, it's obviously the Burkheim. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time you'll ever be able to get in. <laughs> I know, literally. It's my dream to just like walk to the front of the line with like a record bag and be like, no, I'm actually playing. Let me <laughs> I don't even have to play the set. I just want to get in. <laughs> um, last, I, I think I might, I know, we'll go. One from Jungle Georgia asks, what's your <laughs> favourite place to eat oysters? <laughs> we really love oysters. Um, my favourite place to eat oysters um, is Carlton Wine Room with Georgia. Oh. <laughs> and then the last two questions I'm going to bundle together from Jungle Georgia again and Lex Dot Deluxe. Oh my god! Same tinge. Jungle Georgia asks, "Is Sarah single? And what's her type?" And Lex Dot Deluxe asks, "I want to hit it. Give me tips." Yes, I am currently single. Um, tips are just hit me up. <laughs> Be interested. <laughs> also be single um that's it <laughs> does that sound desperate <laughs> no not at all um and last question which is sort of serious as well obviously knowing we're on zoom now for the next probably month or so um so we have access to everybody in the country oh, wow. Just, who, who do you think deserves a parry talks conversation who do you think i should learn off who would tell a good story oh. who should I have on next Oh my god! Probably Gabby, who is aphrodisiac, who it it works with us at Whip, but who is really just um, finding her way in the scene and has a lot has taught me a lot. Um, and yeah, she's she's incredible. So I think Gabby. Beautiful. I don't know how long that was. I haven't been timing. But, Neither, but honestly, what a great way to spend my Saturday morning. Harry Talks, DJ Sarah. Thank you for listening out there. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> yeah, keep it. Um, this one will be out on Tuesday. So we've got radio on Thursday. Tune into Nomad Radio. We've remixed our show format a little bit. So it's a bit more accessible with COVID and lockdowns and stuff. And it's absolutely awesome. Um, I can't reveal too many details at the moment that's happening as well and i know a lot of people have been hitting me up about the second compilation 
we're getting the tracks mixed down now. So be patient, please. These things take time and money, but you will have new club tracks soon with some big names from across the country this time, not just Sydney. But Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you so Everyone, much for having me. Keep it locked and enjoy your lockdown. <laughs>